All right, uh, turn with me if you would to Colossians chapter 3. We're back in Colossians this morning. We're going to be looking at verses 20 and 21, so you can find your spot. And while you're doing that, um, I have on the screen some things that I want to share with you. These are things that I frequently hear. These are statements that people believe are in the Bible but are actually not in the Bible. So, and I'm sure you've heard some of these too. So the first one, God helps those who help themselves. Um, That is not in the Bible. In fact, that's the complete opposite of the message of Scripture because the message of Scripture is that we are helpless without him. So we can't help ourselves. Anybody heard that one before? Okay. Anyone heard, anybody heard this one? Cleanliness is next to godliness. Um, Not in the Bible. I I wish it was in the Bible because then little kids would be more willing to bathe maybe, but uh, it's not. Um, This one, who's heard this one? Money is the root of all evil. That's not in the Bible. Now, I think this is derived from 1 Timothy 6.10. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is is a root of all kinds of evils. So, this says that all evil comes from this. But what scripture says is the love of money is a root, it's one of many roots of all kinds of evil. Not money doesn't cause all evil. In fact, um, if you think about it, Satan didn't get kicked out of heaven because he wanted to be wealthier than Elon Musk, right? He got kicked out of heaven because he wanted to be God. So, That had nothing to do with money, so money can't be the root of all evil. Um, I have two more. I'm going to do this last one, and then before you pull up the third, the last one, Brandon, the very last one, Brandon, let me, I'm going to say a few things. But the next one, love the sinner, hate the sin. This concept is in the Bible, but this is not a verse from the Bible. Um, The Bible does tell us to love people, and it does tell us to hate sin, but you will not find this statement in the Bible. So, I I bring this up because sometimes we, people sometimes will develop whole theologies around something that is not in the Bible, but they think it is. Um, And so if I'm in a conversation with someone who makes a statement like one of these, I have this overwhelming burden in me to correct that because I don't want them to develop a wrong theology. Now, there's one that I'm constantly correcting at home. And this one ties into our text for today. Our text is the same thing Paul teaches in our text. He teaches in Ephesians. And in Ephesians 6, 4, Paul uses just different wording, but he says, Fathers, you can go on to the next one, do not exasperate your children. That's what Ephesians says. But when I'm getting snarky with my wife, she likes to quote Paul and she tells me, husbands, do not exasperate your wife. (laughs) And of course, I feel the need to correct her, but thankfully correcting her scripture memorization never exasperates her, so. All right, 
this actually had, like sometimes I, my intro is designed to transition into the sermon. This is not. It's just that when I came across this verse that we're looking at today, I thought of this, which made me think of other verses that people sometimes misquote. And um, so all of that for nothing, really. All right, let's look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. If you're able to stand, would you please stand and honor God as we read his word? And keep in mind, since it's been a couple weeks since we've looked at this, we, we took off uh, um, Palm Sunday and Easter, what we're talking about is Paul's teaching within the context of making Christ preeminent in your life. Verse 20, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Let's pray. Father, as we look at this text today, um, help us to, to gain wisdom and, and to gain insight into who you are and your character and understand from just these two short statements things that we can learn um, in terms of parenting, in terms of... Uh, submitting to authority, and, um, and ultimately, God, how we can take this and implement it in life so that we are honoring you. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Before we get into our first point in the notes, let me just say this. It is difficult to wrap an entire teaching and an entire understanding into a sentence or two. So when we read these brief teaching statements from Paul, I mean, like the, the one right before this, he says, wives submit to your husbands as is fitting the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, do not be harsh with them. Now he says, children, obey your parents and everything for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Those are like, he just covered, in four sentences, four things that people write whole books or whole series of books on. And so it's hard to wrap it all up in just brief statements. So we need to remember the context, the overarching theme of all of these things is the preeminence of Christ in our relationships. Preeminence, again, um, means that Christ becomes number one. He is He is the most important thing in, in our relationships is what Paul is dealing with here in Colossians chapter 3. So, point number one in your notes. A child's role is to listen and obey parents. A child's role is to listen and obey parents. As we discussed with husbands and wives, the command to, the, to wives is to submit to the husband's leadership in the family. And I know we all hate that word submit or submission because in our minds, especially at, I think in America, where we are so autonomous and we are so individualistic in terms of how we view the world, um, 
we hate that term submission because in our minds that means our freedom or our individuality or our autonomy is taken away from us. That's how we process that, so we hate that word. But submission comes in different forms and has a variety of appearances in different kinds of relationships. One does not submit to the husband the same way one might submit to a boss at work or one might submit to law enforcement when they pull you over for speeding or you know and you could go we could go through any kind of relationship that you might run into in life you don't submit to those thing those authorities in the exact same way and so submission looks different depending on the relationship and in this situation that Paul is dealing with in our text for today the parent child relationship in that relationship submission means obedience it looks like obedience God has placed children in our care for a short time and God has called the child during that time to obey his or her parents now in point number two we will get to the call to parents but as we look at this first statement children obey your parents this pleases the Lord. This is what submission looks like uh, for the part of a child. In the Old Testament, we read from Proverbs 22.6, in the Old Testament, the role of a parent is to train a child. Proverbs 22.6 says, train a child in the way he should go. Um, and so a the, the charge to parents that God has put these children in our care and the charge to us is to train them. And God revealed his will to his people. Um, so the parents then were charged with taking that teaching and that w understanding God's will, understanding things about God's character, and they were supposed to take that and they were supposed to teach and train their children um, so that they understood God's commands and they understood God's characteristics and those things. Um, you, you're familiar with Deuteronomy 6.4. That's the Shema. They call it the Shema. That's uh, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's like the central verse to all of, of Judaism. And the following verses after that go into how they are supposed to be teaching those things, God's law, to their children. And, and he says, you know, Teach them when you're walking on the road. Teach them when you're lying down um, at night. And so it goes through all these daily things that we do every day, just common things. The idea is you're supposed to take every opportunity possible in all of your daily life to be teaching your kids about God's character and God's commands and helping them. You're, 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 we are to be training them. And so that's our charge the child's role in that is to listen and obey. As we are teaching them truth, teaching them things that are necessary for them to know as they're growing up and will eventually become adults, their role is to listen and to obey. But we all have this little thing in us, adults and kids, but I think sometimes it's stronger in kids. We all have this little thing in us called a sin nature that doesn't like to obey. 
doesn't like to submit, doesn't like to have someone else tell them what they can and can't do. And so we need to ask ourselves, why, why is it so important that children obey their parents? Because it's not just because God said so. It's not just because it would be easier on us as parents. And people have different takes on this, too. Um, you know, children are charged with obeying. And if they don't obey, parents have a choice. Am I going to discipline that? Or am I going to not discipline that? And I've seen people who have different takes on this. I've seen people who fall on every point of the spectrum between those two. Um, I know situations where parents felt like their parents were overbearing and they didn't want to become like that with their kids so they've gone the opposite extreme and they've decided we're just not gonna we're not gonna punish our kids and um, that's not a good situation and and I've seen that in lots of different ways it's not just my parents were like that and I don't want to be like that I've seen parents who want to be the cool parents and so they want to be more like a best friend to their teenagers rather than someone who's training them for war and so they don't tend to have any kind of discipline because they just want to be buddies and they want to be they want ever all all their kids friends to think that they're the cool parents you know um, and so they end up not disciplining their kids I've seen parents who have ended up not disciplining their kids just because it, you know what? It, it's easier sometimes. Like, honestly, sometimes parent, I think parents, and, and we all fall into this at times, like, I don't really want to fight this battle right now. <laughs> I'm worn out. And kids are, kids have this, like, parents know we have a limit where we hit this limit and we're exhausted and we can't fight anymore. Kids don't have that limit. Like, they just, they never exhaust themselves with, with begging and nagging and sometimes just not listening or whatever. And so, a parent, so for, for different reasons, parents sometimes decide, you know what, I'm not gonna discipline. The other opposite extreme of that is parents who over discipline they 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 are um, it's like uh, it's like they take they take this to the extreme like here here are the rules you step out of line just a half an inch over the line and and the punishment is going to be severe and extreme that's not good either the, the children who grow up not being punished for anything are they're gonna they're gonna be in for a rude awakening because they're gonna they're gonna think that everything they do they can do whatever they want to do and they never get punished for it and when they get the adults and do that they're gonna find out real quickly that when they're sitting in prison that that wasn't a universal system but the parent the children that grow up in a household where they're over punished those children are gonna they're not gonna end up in prison because they're gonna be rule followers but they will end up in a prison to their own legalistic standards that they can't keep up neither one of those is what God wants for the parent-child relationship 
Both of them are flawed. Both of them are extremely unhealthy. Children who rebel become adults who rebel, and rebellion brings chaos and decline of society. Children who are legalistic become adults who are legalistic, and they lack the ability to love God, and they lack the ability to love other people. And they usually end up spiritually arrogant like the Pharisees. So a child's role is to obey, and God has given them to us to train them. Now, let's look at point number two, where we're going to look at the parent's role. And the parent's role is to love and to train their children. And I, I use the word train for war because life is spiritual warfare. And our kids may not experience it quite on the level that uh, we do because we do our best to guard them from that. But our, our charge as parents is to train them to be ready for war. Let me give a little bit of history because Paul then comes in with this statement, um, fathers do not exasperate your children or fathers, um, you know, the, sorry, let me look at the one way he says it in Colossians, fathers do not provoke your children let me give you a little bit of history, because as Paul brings this teaching in, he's actually doing something that wasn't really typical of his day. So you, you may notice if you look in the law and the Ten Commandments, there is no command to parents. There is a command to children, but there's no command to parents. The commandment was in Exodus chapter 20, or um, the list of command, the Ten Commandments is also in Deuteronomy 5. Exodus 20, 12, though, says, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And so there's a command to children, but there's no, there's no mention of anything to the parents on how to parent children. So it's not this, there's, there's not this uh, reciprocal teaching. And historically speaking, the responsibilities of the parent-child relationship were basically one-sided. The child was to obey in an almost servant-like relationship to the parents, particularly to the father. So I'm talking about not just Jewish history, I'm talking about world history, like historically speaking, that was kind of how the parent-child relationship was understood to be, you know, this is, how, this is how it's done. But as Christ did with much of what was practiced at the time, he calls people throughout history to a higher standard of agape love within those relationships. And so what Paul does, Christ calls us to a higher standard of agape love. What Paul does is he takes this understanding and he applies it to the parent-child relationship and he translates that so that they understand that the relationship, that relationships are built upon God's love. God is our example. He's, he's our father. So we look to him as an example. And as he parents us, as his children, we get that example on how to take that same kind of parenting and parent our children. And God's, when, when relationships are built upon God's love, they're not one-sided in terms of rights. The parent does not just command, 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 and the child just serve, serve, serve. Because if, if those commands that are given, if those things that the parents are, are telling the children as they're trying to train them, if, if all those are are commands, and they're not done in the context of agape-type love, 
then it's really nothing more than slavery. The thing that makes God's command to us different than just a slave master is that it is done out of his undying love for us. It's done for our good. And so we need to be doing that with our children as well. So children are to obey their parents, yes, but fathers, and I would say parents, because it's not just a command. The, the command to, to teach and train your children is not just the fathers, but Paul uses fathers here in, in the text. Fathers have a heavy responsibility to parent their children with love and compassion. It is not to be just, this is my way, it's my way or the highway. It is, these are, the, this is the structure within our family. This is how we operate, and we operate because these are God's commands, and God's commands are given to us to protect us and to love us and to grow us. They are for our good. They are the things that God commands us so that we not only um, can avoid some of the really hard things in life, but also so that we learn to know him more. And that's important because kids learn a lot from their parents. They may not obey the things you want them to, but they sure are observing us and watching every move we make. And, um, and as much as my kids probably hope this does not come true, it is pretty much a given thing that you kind of become your parents when you get older. I mean, I didn't think that I would, but there are things I'm like, man, uh, that sounds a lot like Gary. That's my dad. You know, so, so they observe everything and they learn from us. Now keep in mind, Paul gives this instruction following, like immediately following his instruction to husbands and wives. So let me ask you this. So they're not, they're separated in our, in our schedule by like weeks because of Easter, but they're not separated in the text. It's wives, husbands, children, fathers. So they're right together. It's all in the same context. So let me ask you this question. Where do kids learn how to submit to a structure of authority? Well, they see what it looks like when their mother submits to their father's leadership in the household. And they also see it in their father when their father submits to the commands of God. And where do kids learn to love? Well, they see what it looks like when their father loves their mother with unconditional love. And they experience that love when their father or their mother loves them unconditionally, even if it's in the midst of something negative like a punishment. So, God's, so Paul's command to wives, for wives to submit to their husbands, children see that and they learn that. And they see the father submitting to um, to God the Father and his commands. And they learn those things. And then the command of the to the husbands was to love their wives as Christ loved the church. So how do they learn unconditional love? It's because they see their father being willing to lay down his life 
sacrificing for his family and especially for his wife. <clears throat> and then when that gets translated into their parenting, then they experience it. They don't just watch it and observe it, they experience it. Man, I really messed up, but they love me. I can tell that they love me even though I'm being punished. There's, um, so when, they, when you do that, that approach to parenting, that, uh, that approach of unconditional love, it, it doesn't discourage. Paul says, if, it, you know, do not, uh, do not provoke your children or they will become discouraged. It doesn't discourage when you, when you parent in the context of unconditional love. It rather encourages them. It builds a stronger relationship. It develops a kind of relationship that God wants you to have and wants you to have within your family. And it builds trust. There's a, there's a meme going around the internet, um, and I, I put it on the screen because I think this is perfect for what we're doing. The, the, the commands here are to, to create this. This is the difference between, this is the difference between religion, like I gotta follow these rules, and the gospel, which is Christ came and died for me. And religion is, says, I messed up, my dad is gonna kill me. But the gospel message that we're reading here is, I messed up, I need to call my dad. The difference being, the difference being, if you don't have Christ, or if you're not, if you're not parenting the way Christ calls us to parent, then this is what you're gonna get. Your kids are gonna mess up, because we all mess up, and they're gonna be terrified of you. But what God calls us to do is to, when our kids mess up, that they would have experienced our love, our unconditional love so much, even in the midst of punishments, that they're not afraid of us, but they actually want to come to us to fix it. And that's what God wants with us. That's why this is not in the context of parenting earthly relationships, but this is in the context of our relationship with our Heavenly Father. That's what Paul's getting at here. So <clears throat> in light of that, in light of what we've been talking about with the call for parents, a personal goal of mine in any relationship, but especially my relationships with my family, is this. That people understand their value to me and they understand their value to God when they leave my presence. So like, if I've got someone, if I'm, I know this is gonna be a big shocker, but um, I frequently get stopped to talk to people after I drop my kids off at school or that kind of thing, you know, um, as shy as I am, I know that that's hard to believe, but I do. Um, and sometimes they're lengthy conversations. Sometimes it's just, you know, like a short catching up because I haven't seen you in a little bit. But when people spend time with me, I want, when they leave, I want them to walk away saying, I can't wait until I get to hang out with him again because when I'm with him, I understand my value. When I'm with him, I understand how much he cares about me. I understand how much God loves me. Um, I do not want to be, and I know people like this, I do not want to be the kind of person that people walk away and say, I've had my fill of him for a while, you know? And I especially don't want my children to think that as I'm parenting them, 
I want them to, when something has gone wrong, even if it's their fault, I want them to know that the most comfortable place to be is with me as, a, as their parent. All right. Point number three, and this is, this is, I wanted to go into point number three because it'd be real easy for this text to be interpreted as, well, I'm not in this situation, so it really doesn't apply to me. This text is actually for everyone. So point number three is a disciple's role is to learn and counsel others. So the great thing about God's word is that it's truth and it carries authority. So you don't have to be someone who's in this kind of a situation. You don't have to be a parent with children. Um, you don't have to be someone who is, is in the middle of this type of thing in life in order to speak truth into the lives of people who do have kids. And the reason is because it's not rooted in your own experience. It's rooted in truth. Because it's God's word and not your word, you can be somebody who's never had kids before, and you can still speak the truth of this text into their life. There are times, though, there, there are times when I think people, you know, people just like to give, they like to, they try to be helpful, and so they try to give advice. I'm not talking about advice that you find in the scripture, I'm just saying advice in life. And sometimes I think, you're the last person I want to hear this advice from because you have no clue what it's like. You're not even close to the situation. But if something is rooted in truth, then you can speak this into their life even if you have no experience in it. And in our society, we have family structures that look a lot different than this. Like, not every family is a father and a mother and children. We have single people who have never had kids before. We have married couples who have never had kids before. We have single parents who have kids, but the other parent's no longer in the picture on a daily basis. We have people, whether they're single or married, that have adult children that are no longer under their roof or under their authority. And so just because it doesn't fit this neat little picture that Paul has painted here doesn't mean we can't learn from it and doesn't mean that you can't use it in life. We can all look at this text and we can see what is healthy and we can see what is pleasing to God concerning family relationships. And even if your situation is unique and doesn't look like this, there are still things that we can learn about God and his character in, this in these two verses. There's wise counsel in this for friends who may be struggling with the dynamics of their own family. There's wise counsel in this concerning God's unconditional love and his discipline maybe in your own life. If you, if you find that this is not a situation that you fall into, that doesn't mean that you can't read the, these two verses and understand God's unconditional love as he parents you as his child. And it can be applied to so many other things in your own life. So you're not required to fit this exact model in order to take what you learn about God's character here and apply that to life, whether it's your life or someone else's life. You're not required to fit this exact model in order to minister to people who need to learn 
this basic principle of parenting and raising kids. So the text really is for everyone. Um, so I would like to encourage you to never see a text like this that you think, you know, that doesn't really apply to my situation anymore in life. Don't, just, don't approach the text like that. Understand that every single word in Holy Scripture can be used to understand more of who God is. All right, so again, I, I mentioned to you that this and the teaching that came before this was under the umbrella of Christ's preeminence in our life. This is what it looks like to make Christ preeminent in your family. We're going to cover, as we go into the text for next week, um, we're going to look at Paul's dealing with relationships. And so first there's the husband-wife relationship, then there's the parent-child relationship, and then he's going to start talking about other relationships that you deal with in life where there's some kind of authority, some kind of um, structure where, you, where he, you're called to submit in some way and how we look at that or how we look at it if we're the person in authority with those other relationships. So that's next week. Let's go ahead and pray right now. God, we thank you so much that um, your, your commands here, they're short. The commands that you've given through the Apostle Paul are short and simple. But the overarching theme, the context within which we operate in those relationships is that when we are when we're loving our wife or when we're submitting or when we are obeying or when we are disciplining or training that in the forefront of our minds needs to be the how we do that in a way that honors you how we do that in a way that makes Christ number one if we are ever disciplining our children and we lose sight of Christ in, in the midst of that, then we have failed. If we are ever submitting or obeying or loving and we have lost sight of Christ in the midst of that, then we have failed because he has to be the center of it. He needs to be, the, his preeminence in our life needs to be that which motivates us to submit which motivates us to love, which motivates us to obey, and which motivates us to train not with a harsh word or a harsh punishment, but with love and compassion. And next week we're going to look at how we relate to others who have positions of authority over us and how we do that in a way that makes Christ preeminent in our lives. Um, and so I'm, I'm really thankful for chapter 3 here in Colossians. And I pray that it is life-changing for us in Jesus' name. Amen.